There are many women leading the charge with healthcare in Illinois. They aren't just talking the talk, they're walking the walk. I'm grateful to have a seat at the table with my own personal experiences to be able to try to leave healthcare better than I found it and to influence change. That's Divisional Senior Vice President of Illinois Healthcare Delivery of Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois, Shelley Turk. I'm Monica Fox, Senior Director of Outreach and Government Relations for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois, and your host for this episode of The Journey Continues. Today, Shelley will share some of the amazing work that Blue Cross Blue Shield is doing in the community to encourage wellness and kidney health and obesity. Tell me, what's your background and what got you involved in the healthcare industry? Well, I've spent nine years at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois, and I'm not a traditional health insurance executive. I've been a lawyer for 20 years. I started at Blue Cross as a lawyer, worked my way up, became general counsel for the Illinois plan, and then moved into this business role back in April of 2023. So still using new muscles, still stretching and growing for sure. I also have a very personal healthcare story that leads me to um, really embrace this role and to really think about how important it is to leave healthcare better than I found it. That is really around obesity. I've lost over 100 pounds twice in my life, most recently in 2021 through bariatric surgery. And that experience makes me want to improve the system. And part of that is looking to address obesity in different ways, which should help to decrease the prevalence of other serious diseases, including CKD. And when I think about you know, the avalanche of healthcare conditions that results from obesity, those are the things that I really want to focus on and try to improve so that we can really get at the root cause of some of these conditions. I would also say that I think it's important to highlight our company's commitment and my commitment to underserved communities that are impacted by CKD. We need different solutions for different kinds of communities and environments. So for instance, making sure that we're addressing food insecurity. That's an area that is um, deeply important to us and something that we work on through our Blue Door Neighborhood Centers pretty extensively. We have them in Morgan Park, South Lawndale, and Pullman. Those are on the south and west sides of Chicago. And then also thinking about do people have safe places to exercise? And so we have this sport court initiative where we have different sport courts that we've piloted through HCSC, just really trying to get at the root of some of these challenges where we know that we need different solutions for different areas. When I think about an underserved community and I think about how people may be distrustful of the medical system or going to their doctor, with CKD in particular, this is a condition that does not get better with time and early treatment and diagnosis is so important. So if we can find ways to make people more comfortable within the medical system, to invite them into our spaces, to get them into Blue Door Neighborhood Centers, to educate them on what CKD is and how they can have early detection, those things are really, really important to the company and to me. And we're really focused on that whole person, whole community 
those types of solutions to tackle these challenges. Wow, you really gave me so much and it's all so very interesting and so important because early detection of chronic kidney disease is absolutely what's on the forefront of our minds at National Kidney Foundation of Illinois. And we are working diligently in the trenches to try to move kidney care up the continuum to have primary care doctors look at it earlier and, you know, do earlier testing and earlier referrals. So that is all so important. And I'm so happy that it is a focus. Obesity absolutely plays a part. And so I can't help but ask so that the leading causes of chronic kidney diseases, we all know, are uh, high blood pressure and diabetes. So I'm wondering if at Blue Cross Blue Shield, are patients with high blood pressure and diabetes, are they being screened? right away for chronic kidney disease? Blue Cross looks at kidney disease in a variety of different ways. And the first thing, to your point, is addressing those risk factors. So I think it's important to note that anyone can get kidney disease at any age. There are these risk factors that we definitely need PCPs to be actively focused on. And we do work from an Illinois network standpoint to incentivize providers to make those connections in a lot of different ways. Other important risk factors, just for the audience who may not know about all of them, Black or African American, Hispanic or Latino, Asian American, American Indian, or Alaska Native, or Native Hawaiian, or other Pacific Islander heritage. So this is like the cohort that is most susceptible. Now, the reasons for that, I think, are wide and varied. But we see an interesting correlation between obesity in those categories of individuals and CKD. It's also age 60 or older, low birth weight, prolonged use of NSAIDs, um, which is ibuprofen or naproxen, lupus or other autoimmune disorders, chronic urinary tract infections, and kidney stones. And so when I look at the specific areas to address for CKD so that we can develop provider payment arrangements that work, that are focused on access, focused on quality, and then also on decreasing costs. I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about kind of the healthcare system spend and kind of what we're faced, you know, overall. I look at like, who are the key stakeholders? So I first say, okay, there's commercial business, which is like your regular PPO, Blue Choice, HMO, those kinds of health insurance products. And then you also have our Medicaid and MA populations. And then I look to the care model, like what are the kinds of care models that we want to incentivize? We also see from a kind of key stakeholder standpoint that, and when you think about the care model, you've got hospitals, you have primary care physicians and centers, we have the nephrologists, you have dialysis centers, and then you have at-home care. And so putting that together with the payer structure you have to have holistic arrangements to look at these things and to make sure that we're not only targeting the right care models, but we're also targeting the right members who need the help the most. And so the arrangements that I look to work on are those kinds of synergistic arrangements where we're looking at those things together. You also really need to have a holistic care management program. And for rural areas or for people who can't necessarily either due to health conditions or economic issues aren't able to actually go to the doctor or go to the care manager, 
that virtual component is really important because now we can be talking with people who may not otherwise have had a care manager who can say, how are you doing today? How are you feeling? Have you thought about these different things? And really assessing where is that person on their journey and working to avoid hospitalization as well. Then I think about like, who's the care team? Like who's the right care team to think about from an incentive standpoint? And it's the same group of individuals that I discussed, but I also think it's nurse practitioners, I think it's care coordinators, it's also dietitians, it's also social workers, and there may even be a behavioral health component. One of the things that we've found in our obesity claims research is that there is a very high correlation between people who have obesity and people who have generalized anxiety. You know, there are lots of biology and chemistry reasons for why people consume more than they need to sustain themselves, but there are also mental health reasons. So if someone is eating because they are anxious, you know, that's also a component in that kind of holistic care model that can work for treating obesity or CKD or together. And then I think about who's our population. So when I think about the scope of the population for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois, it's definitely the entire state of Illinois, but again, we have to kind of look at our members across insurance products. So we may need to think about CKD arrangements differently for Medicare and Medicaid than we do for commercial, but we look at all of them together to say, what's going to best serve our members and what kind of model really makes sense here? Um, the traditional model of just sort of um, contracting with dialysis centers and hoping for the best is really not the, the right kind of model from my perspective. I believe that we need to holistically be treating people and have arrangements that encourage those kinds of holistic incentives. So we really want to be sure that we're getting in early and often and having those different care management pieces across that kind of situation. And then I look at the contracting model, and this is probably the less sexy part of the conversation. But when I think about a contracting model, you know, I think about value-based care. And instead of just paying for services on a fee-for-service basis, where the incentive is to provide more services for more cash, I think about how can we have a global risk maybe a full percent of premium agreement. So there's 100% upside and downside risk. Or is there something where we could have a per member per month type of fee plus a shared savings on medical loss ratio or cost of care performance improvement, kind of thinking about those things together. You know, what are the kinds of reimbursement arrangements that are really going to incentivize good care for our members and catching people early. I mean, 37 million adults in the U.S. have kidney disease, and a lot of them don't even know that they have it. And so if we can really create these kinds of arrangements with large um, geographic scope, I think, you know, moving away from non-holistic care models and arrangements is just going to be really, really important. And then also focusing on those non-traditional areas that I mentioned, like addressing food insecurity, safe places to exercise, making sure people have resources. Um, you know, even from a product standpoint, some people can't even afford a bus pass, right? So if they can't afford one bus pass to go to one doctor's visit, if you've got a holistic arrangement, you either need virtual arrangement options or you need some kind of um, 
um, assistance for that member to help them get them where they need to be. And, you know, like when I think about Medicaid, they've got a transportation benefit, which is is really pretty amazing and incredible. But it's those kinds of solutions that are, are really critical if we're going to address these specific areas for CKD. And we have to have strategies to impact increased access, increased quality, and then, you know, decreasing the spend as well, which ultimately will decrease spend if we have better um, care for our members, because then they're going to be in a space where they're healthier and that impacts all of us in a positive way. So I hear you talking about incentives for better care, but what about incentives for patients for healthier living? Are there incentives like that? When we think about incentives, it, it does depend upon the particular insurance product that that person has. It might even depend upon the benefits that are available through their employer group. But we offer coverage, you know, and I, I speak on a fully insured basis, and I would say this is true for the vast majority of our employer groups. It's certainly true for Medicaid and Medicare coverage for specialized treatments, access to nephrologists, other kidney care specialists, and then support for medication and dialysis. So those are all things that are part of a traditional CKD benefit package. And then from the patient standpoint, we offer a personalized care plan. You know, there often are pieces of regular healthcare monitoring educational resources, which are a benefit to the patient to help them understand their condition and their treatment options. Um, and then we also have programs and resources that are around wellness and preventative care that members can access. And it talks, those kinds of programs are to slow the progression of kidney disease. We have dietary and lifestyle advice that we can provide. And then obviously mental health support. I mean, there are, are benefits for mental health that also can be accessed. And then there are even sometimes options for financial assistance programs. Members can always look into those different kinds of benefits that might be available for CKD and ESRD. And we have partnerships with healthcare providers to help these patients as well. So that's another benefit you know, to the members when they know that their health insurer and their healthcare provider are partnered in a way specifically to help them. And then we always are looking at ways to reduce out-of-pocket costs for members. That's always top of mind. Are you currently working with an outside organization for chronic kidney disease management? You know, there are a number of different kind of kidney care solutions in the market. And you may have heard of some of these evergreen or panoramic. Um, they kind of look at more like physician enablement. They're developing networks of, you know, quality nephrologists through their contracted relationships. They have tools and clinical infrastructure to support nephrologists in managing risk. And they often contract with CMS and private payers to take on risk on those nephrologists, CKD and ESRD patients. So that's kind of one flavor. There are also some comparable contracting models with, I think it's Agile, I don't, I hope I'm not saying the name incorrectly, Agilon and Oak Street. So those are kind of those pieces. And then you have more of the population health management side, and that's really Somatis, Monogram, you might've heard of Landmark Health or Navi Health. 
We are partnered right now with Somatis. And just generally, these kinds of players are usually more on the population health management side. So they are contracting with payers for geographic disease state attribution of the CKD and ESRD population. And then they're deploying care management resources in terms of like integration with the patient and depending upon the model, the local provider community as well. Somatis really educates providers so that they understand how to approach CKD. And it might seem odd that you need to do that, but when you think about the number of physicians who are actually in the trenches in this space, it's a pretty relatively small number, right? It's the same with obesity. Only 9% of the physicians in the United States are obesity medicine trained. So there are gaps in terms of how we care for people and a knowledge base. So Somatis can help with that. They also offer their patients a comprehensive approach to kidney care. They have one-on-one -on -one coaching. They give guidance navigating the transplant process and then how to transition from hospital to home. You know, we're looking at some different kinds of things for 2024 with Somatis. You know, there may be some transitions in terms of what's available in terms of like whether it's a Somatis program or our own kidney care program. You know, when we think about sort of long-term future plans, we're looking at a variety of different options. It's not just a one vendor or one-size-fits-all type of solution. So we've talked a lot about CKD, but I haven't heard transplant yet. What is going on with transplant at Blue Cross Blue Shield? Because that is one of the better treatment options rather than dialysis. I would emphasize that we're trying to get to the early detection piece, because if you get down the road, we're obviously having a different conversation. So coverage for transplants is certainly a part of what we typically see with benefits. It's well known that a transplant is part of that benefit structure and is something that's available to our members. When we think about transplant, we think about centers of excellence. That's kind of one place where members can look to say, what are the best places for getting a transplant? Which places are in network for me? And what are the recommendations from my care team and my care management team on where to get it, where to heal, and where to kind of get follow-up and ongoing care? Once we get to the transplant stage, that's a matter of life and death, right? I mean, you're at the stage where you've got to do something. And so we help those patients through that process. We're always there for our members to work with them and try to figure out the best place to have their care. And there are lots of different resources to be able to do that through Provider Finder, looking at our centers of excellence and really focusing in on what's the best place for me to get my transplant. Do Medicaid patients have the same access to resources that commercial patients have? It's a different program, right? So potentially different benefits. So employer groups often set the standards for benefits. HFS is setting the standard for benefits through Medicaid. We've gotten strong marks from the state as we've worked on Medicaid redeterminations. So that's a plus when you think about when it comes to ESRD and CKD, qualifying for Medicare, those sorts of things. If they have a risk factor that can lead to eventual kidney disease if it's not addressed, you know, it's important that we get our Medicaid population 
solid on the rolls when they're eligible. And Illinois has been a great state for that. I mean, if you're in Illinois, we are working hard to get those re-eligibility determinations completed and make sure that we've got people who are eligible for Medicaid on the rolls. As far as differences between commercial and Medicaid populations, which I think is really your question, I'm not aware of sort of specific barriers to care with our Medicaid population as opposed to our commercial population. I'm just not seeing that. That's good. I just want to circle back to obesity for a minute because you made some really, really valid points about that and its impact on chronic kidney disease and others. And so there are these new drugs that are helping people to lose weight. Is there any plan to incorporate that into a holistic plan for patients uh, within Blue Cross Blue Shield? Because I know that coverage of those is a is an issue. I don't know if you remember back in the days when depression was sort of still being researched and understood, and physicians were told to tell people to smile more. We're at the same kind of place with obesity where I think there is finally a recognition that this is a chronic long-term condition that has to be managed. I, I think we're finally getting to that place. Back in 2013, the American Medical Association defined obesity as a chronic condition. And even going back to 2005, the Obesity Action Coalition, which is very active in this space, also said that obesity is a chronic condition. Canada has a holistic viewpoint on obesity. So we're getting there slowly but surely, but you have to start to view obesity as not a matter of willpower, but as a matter of biology and chemistry as a chronic condition in order to get to the space where you say, okay, this is something that we're going to tackle. And we're not just going to treat the high blood pressure, the diabetes, the sleep apnea, we're going to start looking at the root cause. One of the ways that I'm I'm working to advance more of a holistic viewpoint into obesity is to start to have those conversations here at Blue Cross. So working with people to, including our clinicians, our pharmacy folks, you know, really looking at what is our holistic strategy around obesity and how do we prepare ourselves for the future? And that could be everything from a pay for performance type of program. And the reason that I mention that is because physicians are not even coding for obesity generally because they don't get paid for it. And if you don't code for it or you don't diagnose it, then you don't treat it. And physicians also have a difficult time talking to patients about obesity. It's not a natural language. It's not a natural conversation. And if you're not taking their BMI, their weight, and actually measuring, you know, their stomach, their arms, their legs, there's something about touching and and feeling and understanding, even for the patient, where they can say, oh, I've got something going on here that I really need to address. And like I said earlier, you know, a lot of people who are overweight, it's not that they don't, or obese, it's not that they don't want to fix the issue, it's that they understand, or maybe maybe don't understand, that it's not just diet and exercise. There's a whole complex system here at work. It's behavioral health, it's hormones, it's age, it's all of these different components and pieces together it may be that someone needs to have 
an appetite suppressant on their personal journey to try to kind of kickstart some of that weight loss where maybe eventually they end up in bariatric surgery. And everyone's on a different journey. I mean, I can tell you for me, it took me, gosh, well, it was age 25 to 45 of ups and downs, different programs, medications. And ultimately I, I decided that surgery was right for me. But that's the other kind of component of this is that there's no silver bullet for obesity treatment. So I do believe that, you know, we have an opportunity to develop a point of view on obesity that can start to move the needle in some of these different spaces. And even if it's just focusing on that pay for for performance arrangement, where we incentivize physicians to document obesity, to document these different things in the chart, then that also gives us the data to say, here's our population. And once you do that, you can get to a space where then you finally have a larger group of data. And then you can really start thinking about an obesity accountable care organization or more of a shared risk, shared savings type of model where the treatment plan is physicians actually focusing on that particular population of people. And that's going to reduce, obviously, the incidence of CKD, all of these other conditions that come along in the future after obesity. And then you can start to get to a space where you say, okay, what makes sense from a medication standpoint? It's a really complex area that we are working on, and I'm grateful to have a seat at the table with my own personal experiences to be able to try to leave healthcare better than I found it and to influence change. I really appreciate all of the information that you've shared and your transparency with your own journey that has been very enlightening and helpful. This has just been a great conversation. So I just wanna say thank you for joining me today. Thank you for the opportunity. What better time to focus on your health than now? If you want more information about what's happening at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois, go to bcbsil.com or visit one of their Blue Door community centers in a neighborhood near you. I'm Monica Fox, and this is The Journey Continues. Prevention's a key part of our mission at the Kidney Foundation. That's why at the end of each episode, Dr. Melissa Prest offers a health tip. Here's today's nutrition tip about weight management. People live in bodies of all shapes and sizes. While body mass index, a measurement of your weight to your height, and ideal body weight ranges may or may not be appropriate for you. They are used as a guide to know if you're at risk for developing a chronic health condition. Many people may think weight management is about being on an overly restrictive diet that includes intensive exercising. This actually sets people up for failure and is a large reason why diets don't lead to maintained success. What weight management is about is learning how to make healthy food choices at home and when dining out. It's about learning how to identify when you're hungry or if you're eating for emotional reasons. It's about finding physical activity that allows you to move through a range of motion, strengthens your muscles and gets your heart pumping. And it's about making choices that will help you maintain your weight or allow you to gradually reduce your weight. It may seem easy to go it alone, but research shows that those who find support and professional guidance are most successful. Here are some tips from people who have had success with weight maintenance. Exercise is important and build up to 200 to 300 minutes per week. This is the equivalent of 30 to 40 minutes a day of activity. 
Stay hydrated, drink lots of water, and limit sugar-sweetened beverages. Eat whole nutritious foods and focus on foods that are high in fiber. Eat responsibly and mindfully. Pay attention to when you're hungry and when you're full. Plan your meals ahead of time. This allows you to stay on track and make healthful choices. Find fun recipes online or in cookbooks to expand your meal variety. Decrease your screen time and do not eat while distracted. Monitor yourself by keeping a food log, measurements, or weighing in once a week. Join a weight management program for education and support. Build your own support group with family and friends. Keep a positive attitude and believe in yourself and your abilities. Think for the long term. The habits you are creating should be long-sustaining and not a quick fix. And make those changes gradual so that you can stick with them over time. With today's nutrition tip, I'm Melissa Prest, a registered dietitian nutritionist and the foundation dietitian for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois.